1: plushcare.com slash weight loss.
2: Hello and welcome to Made by Mamas, the podcast. I'm Zoe. And I'm Georgia. And we're here talking all things parenthood. You know, the real conversations, tips and tricks, products we love and brands we can't live without. Let's get into it. Hello and welcome to Tuesday's episode of the podcast. Thank you so much for being here today. Now, it's uh, a Zoe special. I'm going to be taking today's podcast on my own because Georgia is busy working away. She's trying to get everything. In fact, we're all trying to get everything done before Christmas kicks in. Um, So I hope you guys are surviving. I hope you're coping um, with all the WhatsApps and the emails from the school. I know, heal me now. Um, But we've only got a few days left. So just hang on in there. Today's conversation, I've literally just come off from talking to this incredible person. What an inspiring chat. I think you're going to get loads out of it. Today, I'm chatting to double Olympian Katie Marchant. Well, 100% it's safe to say that this is the first time that I'll get to say all of these uh, and an intro to, to our podcast, uh, elite cyclist, double Olympian, sprint specialist at the Velodrome, mum to Arthur, wife to Farmer Rob, it's Katie Marchant! Yay! Hey. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Did I get that right? Double Olympian? You nailed
0: it, yeah.
2: <laughs> Thank you. Oh my God. I mean, what a superstar. I mean, firstly, how are you? Because you're a, you're a mum uh, and you're also an elite athlete. You must be shattered.
0: I'm busy and I'm tired, but I'm really, really good. Thank you. Yeah, really, really good. How are you?
2: Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Although again, I feel I I said to you like, where, where are you? You look like you're at some sort of training camp and you said that you are, tell us.
0: I'm at the melodrome, yeah, in between two sessions.
2: In between two sessions. I haven't left my bedroom yet. So that's just to give us a bit of context. (laughs) So talk to us about what life is like as, you know, an elite athlete and also a mum too. I mean, Arthur's only what, 18 months?
0: Yeah, he's just gone 18 months. Um, It's carnage. I'm not going to lie. it's absolutely savage. Um, take me back to those newborn days any day um I was really lucky that I found the newborn days really easy I think and not easy don't get me wrong it had its struggles but like having an 18 month old toddler and trying to do normal life and be a cyclist is absolutely savage Mm. um I think if I could press pause on the way Arthur is at the minute I absolutely would because the age that he's at is just it's so entertaining he's absolutely great but the logistics of like dealing with life and you know being i obviously i live over in leeds and i train over in manchester so i've got quite a commute as right. well like on my hands um but i'm really lucky with the support from my family and stuff like we make it work and yeah we, i think i think i'm nailing at the minute a really good work-life balance so <laughs>
2: that's so lovely to hear because you don't hear that very often actually you know i think yeah. lots of us feel that we're doing lots of everything but actually not necessarily nailing anything
0: Yeah, I think it's taken me, it took me a good 12 months getting back into training to really figure out like what this would look like and how I can make this work. But as I said, yeah, I really feel like I've got to a stage now. I really feel like we've got a really good balance. And yeah, so I think I've got a feeling of contentment at the minute, which is really, really nice.
2: Well, you look very happy. So that's a good start, isn't (laughs) it? You haven't come on here stressed today. So during your 20s, you're obviously, you know, head down, cycling, 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 cycling. At what point? Had motherhood been something that you thought about during your 20s? I think
0: we always saw children in our future. Uh, he's a farmer. So, you know, the traditional, you know, like you have children, you you know, bring them up into the farming life and they get handed the farm, you know, generate through generation. Like Robert's been past, Robert's farm has gone through, you know, three, four generations now. And I think he, I always knew his dream was to to try and keep that going. Um, but I was so invested in cycling and this career that I was doing was so important that I guess we never really had the conversation, not never had the conversation, but we just never got to a point where we like needed to make a decision as to whether we we're going to do it, I guess. After Tokyo, that's when we kind of thought maybe now's the time.
2: So what was that conversation? Was it, did you bring it up? Was it, was it Rob's suggestion? Like you've done Tokyo now, now it's time to kind of, you know, make, make a nest, I guess, make a home.
0: Yeah, I think we just bought a house in twenty. 20- 20 we just we we, so we lived together in our first home and then we bought like a renovation project in 2020 and the plan was you know we'd go into to after Tokyo we'd renovate this house we were due to get married straight after the Olympics in 2020 and we kind of just I didn't think I'd not planned to retire from cycling I'd not planned to carry on cycling like I'd not really planned that far ahead like as I said Mm. I'm quite spontaneous you know so we bought this house we got we got two puppies we got married we renovated this house and then the Olympics got postponed a year so we decided to postpone the wedding a year because the plan was to always get married after the Olympics just so that we could have like you know I really wanted a big party and I really wanted to go enjoy myself yeah I just felt like I wouldn't be able to do that if I knew the Olympics was around the corner um I'd committed four years of my time i I really wanted to make sure the next 10 months, you know, carried on like on that trajectory. So we decided to postpone the wedding. And I think we kind of had the conversation that we have come back from Tokyo. We just let our hair down and have a good time. And I've never been on contraception. I've always tracked my period through like the app, like the flow app. Okay. Um, so I guess we never really had to make the conscious decision to like step away from that. I think we just decided that we just
2: go for it, go for it, and see what happens. Sorry, Kate, I was going to ask you with the flow app—is that so there aren't any of these like special withdrawal techniques, which I can one hundred percent confirm do not work? (laughs) Um, Are you just going? (laughs) They do not work. Um, Are you just kind of saying, right? I'm ovulating now, so we shouldn't have sex across these days. Is that how it works? Yeah,
0: pretty much. Yeah, or use another form of protection or whatever. But yeah, like it's a red day or it's a green day. Like today is not a good day. Or Today's a good day. Let's go for it. That's amazing. Yeah. Again, Mm. like, I can't believe my mum always used to go mad at me because I can't believe I've never had like a a pregnancy scare or, you know, like a moment within my career where I've potentially like missed a period or anything. Like I just, maybe it's just luck. I'm not really sure. But I guess a small part of me was a little bit like, I don't know if I can have children. Like I've never had this, you know, the moment where I thought I might be pregnant or I've never had like a, and so I guess I never really knew. Um, if it was even possible. So I guess, you know, the carefree me was like, ah, let's just get married, drink gin every day and just go on holiday and live our best lives and see what happens. Have a load of
2: sex. Yeah.
0: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And look what happened.
2: (laughs) So are we 2020 here or are we 2021? We must have been out of lockdown. Yeah, this was
0: 2021. Yeah. So we just, we actually got married in Santorini. So we were out of lockdown and we went away to Greece with, for like a period of eight days with loads of friends and family and just, literally lived our best
2: life <laughs> and did you fall pregnant in Santorini
0: yeah yeah I think so yeah the timings were pretty much yeah I think it was like the day before we flew home or whatever but yeah it was a little Santorini baby
2: that's so amazing so tell us yeah. the moment that you actually could you know confirm you stood there with the pregnancy test in your hand tell us that moment
0: I was obviously not waiting for it but thinking it could happen because I knew we'd not been careful or I knew we'd not be even I don't even think I'd open the app since the day I flew back from Tokyo so I was, it was always a thought that could happen, but we'd gone to a friend's wedding and my friend had bought me a gin and I went to drink the gin and I just, I didn't want to drink the gin. It was really, really weird. Like I didn't, and I absolutely love a gin. Like it's my favorite thing to drink. Like, (laughs) honestly, like if I could, I just always choose gin. So it was a really weird moment for me. And then my period was, I checked, so I looked at the app and my period was due in like two days and I thought, oh, maybe I just feel a bit off it or whatever. Anyway, we went home and Robert had gone out to work and I had a pregnancy test in the drawer and I thought. I'm just going to do it and see. And anyway, lo and behold, it was positive. And I remember shaking from head to foot and like leaning over the sink with my head in my hands thinking, oh my God, like not now. Like, I don't know. It was weird. Like I really, really wanted it, I think. But I've always been a control freak and I've always been a real planner. And I guess I've not really like planned for it. it. Sounds a little bit naive now. Obviously, I knew what I was doing. And I exactly, I absolutely know how it happens. But yeah, it was just surreal in that moment to be like, oh my God, like it's actually happening now.
2: This is happening. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting that you say that you're a control freak because you've said a lot on the podcast so far that you're quite carefree. So there must be a couple of, there must be a couple of Katie's in there. There must be, you know, the absolute, you can see the the elite athlete that kind of dedicates your whole life to it. But then also that feeling of like, right, give me the gin. Let's do all the sex. Let's get, let's, let's live that carefree lifestyle. Do the the two, do the two work together? I think they do, you know, yeah,
0: because I think, the control me was like right now's the time to let my hair down and now's the time to be able to drink all Mm. the gin that I want to drink and now's the time to get married and now's the time to have all the sex in the world or whatever do you know what I mean so like I felt like I held an element of control over doing that like phase of my life so I think they do go hand in hand but also I'm really good at being like right now's not the time to be drinking loads of gin like now's not the time to be going out now's the time to like really get your head down and really get the work done so like yeah I think they do go hand in hand and again it just helps with that balance I think I'm really I do think I'm really good at like the balance and it's a lot a lot of things that athletes struggle with is finding that balance between being able to be to do normal life and then yeah being able to be an elite
2: athlete so what feelings came up for you you mentioned that you suddenly felt god not now were there any, I guess, worries about your career that came up straight away? How am I going to come back? You know, was that was that the overriding emotion?
0: I think when I left Tokyo, I was really unsure of whether I wanted to carry on or what it was that was going to make me give me that motivation to do another Olympic cycle. You know, we obviously had a really intense Olympic cycle that time with with COVID and you know, like the extra year and my first Olympic cycle going into Rio. Like, I didn't really have much thought about it you know like that was all a whirlwind and that was that all was quite like escalated really quickly but then I had a lot more going into Tokyo a lot more control and a lot more feelings and I think when I left Tokyo I felt unsure um the minute I found out I was pregnant I was like I am 100% carrying on like I knew that was like I love and I absolutely love a challenge and I thought this is what this is the challenge that I needed and obviously it's a short Olympic cycle this this time with it only been three years um but I was like bring it on
2: (laughs) (gasps) <gasps> that's so exciting so so actually finding out you were pregnant triggered you to, to yeah, yeah. you want to think right I'm gonna have the baby and then I'm coming back
0: yeah yeah like it's been a really short space of time we only got back from Tokyo in the first week in August we got married the first week in September and then this third week in September I was peeing on a stick and I was pregnant so it was all quite quick but I think mm. it allowed me not much time to think and then you know my instinct took over and I just was like this is what I want and I think I always as I said I always visioned my future with children but I didn't really know that I wanted a baby I guess I don't really know it's a weird mm. feeling but I think mm. in that moment I was like this is what I want and yeah this this is this is perfect this is my future like shaping exactly how I wanted it to.
2: So how did you tell Rob what was that moment like?
0: Oh I remember just going down into the kitchen and like I had I don't know why I just had it behind my back and like it must literally been looking at me thinking like what are you doing and I just <laughs> gave him the stick and he was like are you all right? And I was like, yeah, yeah. But like my hand was like still shaking like this, trying to show him the stick. And then, yeah, we were just so <laughs> excited. And it was funny. We both kind of looked at each other and went, well, what do we do now? Like, what do we do? And like, we, it was really funny. We had, a, we had like a delivery to go do on the farm. So we just like hopped in, we just like chucked the stick in a drawer, like hopped in the car and went off and did the delivery. And we were both just like, we didn't really know what to say to each other, I guess. But yeah, we were just so excited and nervous and scared. But yeah, it was just the best feeling when I think back.
2: I've written about that moment that you find out you're pregnant because you suddenly feel like you've changed. So everything yeah. about you is completely different in your mind. But everyone yeah. else is just going about their daily business. There's no mariachi band. There's nobody yeah, giving yeah. you cuddles saying, you look glowing. There's no one kind of popping round for tea. There's no doctors going, here, pee in, a, yeah. pee in a stick or whatever. No one does anything. Even when you go for your first appointment, you go, I think I'm, fr- I'm pregnant. And they go, oh, okay, great. We'll book you in for your nine." And I go, I remember going you're going to do a test, right? And they were like, no, no, how many have you done? And I was like, five. And she was like, you're definitely yeah. pregnant. You're definitely pregnant. But it's not a big thing, is it, for anyone else apart from
0: you? Yeah, I remember coming back from my first midwife appointment and Robert being like, oh, how was it? And I, I said to him, like, "Like, she literally didn't no. even ask me to, like, prove that I was pregnant. And then he was like, <laughs> yeah, but why would you go, go through that appointment if you were pregnant? And I was like, yeah, I get that, but, like she didn't even want to know that i was like definitely pregnant like what it's the weirdest thing in the world and i it's remember mental, reading, isn't I it? Like, my first thing was like what do i do and i was like who do i tell so it was like maybe i was like ring the doctors and for, my sister had fallen pregnant five months before me so she was a little bit ahead of me which was really nice because she was like my guide and she was like well you just need to ring the doctors i was like yeah no worries So i rang the doctor and i was like hi i'm pregnant she was like right and i was like yeah what do i do <laughs> me here like what do I do
2: (laughs) yeah and they don't do anything they just say right you can book in to see the doctor and then that's it really
0: I don't know I guess it's weird isn't it like do you want everyone to jump around and be like yay congratulations woo big thing or do you want everyone to be like right pragmatic like what we're gonna do here you know it's such a strange thing and I found telling people really strange as well like when it got to the point when we were ready to tell people I found that really really strange
2: yeah at what point did you tell people
0: um so I remember I came to um British Cycling and I told our sports doctor I think I was about seven weeks when I told the doctor because at this point I was like getting back into training and I'd had a coach and I'd been working with my coach for over 10 years and like you know we had a really really great relationship and I remember thinking I need to tell him like he's gonna be thinking what on earth am I playing at like I was coming to training and dabbling because I wanted to show that I was wanting to carry on but then I was yeah yeah Thinking, oh, I'm seven, eight weeks pregnant. Like, should I be doing this? I'm not really sure what to do. And so, yeah, I remember telling the sports doctor, and he said, I really encourage, if you feel ready, like, I really encourage you to speak to your coach. And I did. And I told Jan, and he was so excited. And that was a really, really nice feeling. And then, yeah, I guess we just made a bit of a plan going forward. And I told obviously my family and friends quite early. um But yeah, like, yeah, as I said, telling people was, Really, really strange. Like it's really weird, isn't it?
2: So, how were you? How were you delivering the news to your your colleagues and your coaches, and you know the 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 people in that sort of elite elite circle? Because I imagine I can only speak from experience, but I know with with the work that I do, I I almost felt like I didn't want anybody to know because I felt the minute I tell them I'm pregnant, they might not use me for things. And I I don't know whether that's me or whether that's society. And I know that that's something that women do face a lot we hear it so much um so I, I think you know there is that sort of feeling like oh god do I need to keep this hidden and what's the right point and am I still going to get booked for work and w- were you feeling any of those things or were you confident in the fact that you were an integral part of the team and you know and they were going to support it
0: a bit of both I guess I was really sure in myself that I was committed to the Paris program um for the Olympics in 2024 and I didn't want to be viewed as not available because I was going to be spending yes. the next nine months pregnant and then be a mum or whatever um I think I was just really open and honest and I said I just made it clear that the next few months nine months whatever it was at that time was going to look different for me but I was still heavily invested and my long-term goals were still Paris um obviously they were in British cycling were absolutely amazing you know and they were really supportive and I was also well aware that the day I gave birth to Arthur and the day I was going to officially be a mum like the my feelings could change and I might never want to touch a bike again I might never want to leave Arthur again I might you know I was and I, I, I had yeah. that commu- really open communication with everyone as well and they were as I said they were amazing and really supportive so that made it all a little bit easier I guess to have those conversations and yeah I just kept the narrative really open and yeah as I said they were great and
2: were they yeah. were they super supportive massively supportive yeah. yeah I
0: think it's a shame not many people have done it um and it's and I can understand why not many people have done it you know it's really freaking hard um yeah but also I really strongly encourage it you know like I'm I wish I don't wish I'd have done it years ago but I wish I had done this six years ago so that I could have a different perspective on my career now and my cycling and just life in general um I don't recommend the young ones to go do it just yet but the young girls that are on the team you know like they're really inspired by what i've done and that's a really great feeling for me and i am a role model and i also like i'm they call me like the mother, mother mother hen and i'm the mother of the team and stuff but that's also a really really nice feeling because it fills me with pride you know and i i am still able to do what i do and be a mum as well Um so yeah it's just as i said british cycling have been amazing
2: how incredible and as it should be, as it I was gonna swear then, as it fucking should be. Yeah. But actually we are we are having to fight harder. We do have to fight harder. You know, women just do, but they get to they they get to go through their professional career looking at you and thinking, she's she's doing it all. That should be the status quo. If you want to be a mother and you want to have a career, there is absolutely no kind of there should be nobody stopping you and there should be no resentment around that you shouldn't be shoved to the side or told that you can't do it anymore um i think i think it's amazing i, I mean my my company at heart were exactly the same they were yeah. like when you're ready to come back and i remember going in and pumping in the studio and then handing luna over to we call her the radio mom um, yeah and uh, she's lovely amanda and she just took luna off for like an hour whilst i pre-recorded a show and they were really you know they were just great and i think yeah. so many more companies should be doing that
0: yeah absolutely i yeah, am yeah yeah I fully agree yeah
2: um so talk talk me through the pregnancy because you've obviously been this elite athlete for such a long time your body's looked and performed in a certain way what was it like growing a human
0: oh it's mental isn't it literally absolutely mental but I think it was a real out of control experience for me and one that I say I probably didn't ever really like feel that comfortable with I was really really fortunate that I found pregnancy quite easy I had no symptoms I was a little bit sick in the first few weeks but nothing nothing that held me back from anything and I'm a bit of a get up and go anyway you know like if you feel sick like the best thing you could do is go for a 10k walk I reckon so like I was that kind of person and exercise always made me (laughs) feel better and I just yeah maintained that as much as I could through pregnancy I worked really closely with the physiologist here at British Cycling and obviously throughout my whole career I've had a training plan I have trained to a plan I you know we have end dates we have tracing dates we have all the dates in the diary and this one was like the only date we had in the diary was essentially the day that I was going to give birth to Arthur which we didn't actually know what was you know so it was very like an out-of-body experience and I've always had a six-pack I've always had like no boobs I've always been really muscly and my boobs grew my six-pack went I just you know it was really really strange but the thing that just kept me going and I'm really fortunate I was able to do was just exercise and you know I just kept I was walking I was riding the bike I was in the gym and yeah I think I, I did my last gym session when I was I think 39 and a half weeks pregnant so
2: yeah as I said wow. I was really
0: fortunate that I was able
2: to do that. <laughs> That's incredible and what was that process like because I mean you, you sort of say it quite willy-nilly but like the way that your body has been you know with the six-pack and the way that it performs forget about how it looks but actually how it how it feels it's quite amazing that you were able to rock and roll that pregnancy so so kind of easily I guess was there anything that came up that that you didn't quite get and that you were struggling with
0: it wasn't it wasn't a struggle as such but it was more like the days where I felt like I didn't have as much energy or the days where I felt like Mm. Most days I felt quite empowered by what my body was doing and I'd kind of got my mind into this place where I was like, it was like, it was a tool at the time and yeah, it was amazing because it was growing a human, but I was still able to go squat in the gym and I was still able to ride my bike and stuff. So I guess I got like a bit of a newfound respect for my body whilst looking in the mirror not really enjoying what I was seeing or you know like not I didn't Mm. everyone was like um you know when the when the baby first kicks for the first time and it's the best feeling ever and I found that quite uncomfortable and I was a bit like oh it was like a reminder that I'd be doing a session and like he'd be there and it was really like a strange feeling for me. I guess I wasn't until the day I went in to give birth. Like I was very like naive to the fact that I was having a child, you know, like I was always very like, but I'm just fine. I'm fine. I'm able to do this and I'm still able to do that. So, yeah, I guess it was just an r- absolute roller coaster. But yeah, the, the main thing I take away from it all was I guess I just have a newfound respect for myself.
2: Oh, my God. Uh, uh, right. I mean, what your body goes through and then actually having to push the baby out. To, to talk us through the labor. Did you ever I mean, I'm going to guess you had a plan.
0: I did have a plan, yeah, I did have a plan, (laughs) Um, (laughs) but also, as I said, my sister had a baby, I think it was about five months before me, and I'm really fortunate, I'm surrounded by a a really supportive, great group of, like, you know, mothers and friends and stuff as well, so, like, my sister was brutally honest, you know, she was like, wow, it's the most horrific thing you're ever going to go through.
2: Okay, (laughs) cheers, sis. Cheers,
0: sis, but I think that's what I needed, Um, you know, like, I, she was like, you're not going to breathe this baby out. You know, like, it's going to take a bit of grit. But I think I was, again, naive. I, I remember thinking, I've done some hellish sessions on my bike. You know, I've done some horrific stuff in the gym. Like, sure, if I just grip my teeth, I'm going to be all right. Like, uh, loads of people do this, you know. Like, I, I'll be fine. Yeah. Like, i totally got this. And, oh, my God. <laughs> it was horrific. But...
2: Oh, Katie. Was it? Was it? Was it bad? T- t- tell, us your le- tell us the birth. Tell us what happened. So,
0: I'd gone... So my mom, my sister, everyone, two weeks, three weeks early, they all had their babies. So it got to like 36 weeks and I was like, it's looming, you know, we're nearly there, like the shift's nearly over. Um, and in my mind, I was like, I'm nearly at that end date and that's when I can then start training for Paris, you know, and it was all coming round and then it got to 39 weeks and then it got to 40 weeks and then it got to 41 weeks and I was like, what? I'm still pre- I'm still pregnant. I was like, "What is going on? Like, why is this baby not coming?" Everyone was saying, "You know, everyone says oh, that exercise brings on labor." And let me tell you, I was doing thirty thousand steps a day. Like, I was marching. I was. We were renovating a house. Like, honestly, it was carnage. Like, I was...
2: At 41 weeks pregnant, yeah. you were doing 30,000 steps a day.
0: Yeah, yeah. The night I, And so, that is why
2: you're a double Olympian.
0: It was a Tuesday evening and I was due for... I think I booked in for an induction on, like, the Friday because I wanted to wait. And I remember my mum saying to me, no one's pregnant forever. And I was like, well, no, that's true, but why is my body not doing this? Like, why am I not going yeah. into labour? Like, you know, I, I think I got a bit... I think I got quite upset, actually, that my body had always been really really good to me you know like I've never really suffered any like Mm. serious injuries and I was like why in this moment is my body not doing this like I I don't understand like I surely I must be able to do this anyway and that's when my mum kept saying no one's pregnant forever just you'll be glad in a couple of days she said you'll be glad that you were still pregnant in that moment because she said you'll want to be pregnant again once you've given birth
2: Thanks again, mum. Yeah, great advice. Yes, yeah, yeah.
0: mum, but open and honest, you know, and I think that starts to yeah, just love really that. benefit me. Um, so it was a Tuesday evening and my husband plays cricket and it was a cricket match coming up that week. And he's like, let's go cut the cricket square. Let's, you know, let's just go down. So there I am, lawnmower on another 30,000 steps cutting the cricket square. <laughs>
2: and then we <laughs> oh my god what when you said cutting the cricket square I was like I don't really know what that means yeah, but no, maybe like it's something to do with the sandwiches swear.
0: no no mow, no! actually
2: mowing the square yeah. okay yeah cool. basically
0: a sled push up and down this cricket square um, and we have gone home Christ. for a shower and I'd done that thing where every night you go to bed and you go this might be the last night of just me and you you know the, yeah. and you think could yeah. be tonight could be tonight and I'd got in the shower um, and I'd got this sensation of like Wetting myself, couldn't really understand it. Yeah, but there was a bit of blood in it, so I said to Robert, "Like, that's a bit strange. Like, do you think I should like ring someone or do something? Like, is that meant to happen? Is this normal? Is this not normal? All the things that you have no idea." So I ended up going yeah. to hospital and I was bleeding quite badly, and they'd done loads of tests and monitored the baby, and he was absolutely fine. Like everything was fine. I was actually fine. Like there was nothing going on that I knew of. Um, but they'd said to me, we'll monitor you. We'd like to monitor you overnight um, and if you're okay with it in the morning. if it's Because she, she, she'd had a look and she'd put that thing around your stomach and monitored And There was contractions mm. happening, but, like, nothing that I was fully aware of. Um, and she said to me, um, yeah, one centimetre, we might be able to break your waters if we could have a look in the morning. But let's just go to bed and we'll have a look tomorrow. Um, so Robert went home because um, I had to stay on, like, a women's only, like, I don't know what award in the hospital so I'd gone to sleep and I was fine and not feeling anything but the bleeding had carried on quite heavily and I kept saying like where's what is the bleeding like it's a little bit strange but anyway that actually assured me everything was absolutely fine anyway 7am I'd woken up to just the most horrific contraction you have ever known and like it just started instantly. Uh, and he was coming and by 9am he was here
2: whoa
0: yeah it was quick real real quick
2: we'll be right back after this short break
0: Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
2: Welcome back to this episode of Made by Mamas. Now, where were we? Did Robert make it back?
0: Yes, I remember I'd woken up at 5 o'clock like a bit uncomfortable and I'd messaged him because we live about 20 minutes away from the hospital. So I messaged him and said, Mm. can you come and sit outside the hospital? Because they wouldn't let him in until I think it was 8am he was allowed in. I was like, can you just come and sit outside? Because in my mind, I was just like, this is happening quick. And I don't know how quick. And obviously I want you to be here. So he came and he was sat in the car park outside and, I was having contract and I'm in this, I'm on the ward still and I'm bouncing on my ball and I'm having contractions. And it was, I remember messaging my sister being like, this is really horrific. Like, is this normal? And my sister was like, yeah, it's happening. Like, yeah,
2: you're in it. (laughs) Yeah. That's labor. Yeah. (laughs) That's
0: the one. And I kept saying to the, the midwife, this, we must be close. And she kept saying, well, lay on your back and let me have a look. And she had a look and she'd be like, you're two centimeters and I was like surely not she kept she kept rubbing my shoulder saying do you want a paracetamol and at this point I was on my own because Robert still wasn't allowed in and I kept being like I just want my husband like I just want my husband like and she wouldn't let him in and this went on till about 10 past eight then Robert was finally allowed in and I said to them at this this point that I'd been timing all the contractions and they were like minutes apart and for going on from you know like I was felt like I was in established like I was ready to push yeah and she kept saying to me you're three centimetres, you've got a while to go yet. And I remember thinking, well, I can't do this then. Like, I don't want to do this anymore. Like, where do I tap out? Because this could go on for
1: a long, time. Tap out, tap out, get me out of here. (laughs) I
0: was like, honestly, I'm I'm finished. I've had enough. Anyway, to the point where I got really angry at one point and I said to the lady, I said to the midwife, I said, you need to go get, you need to take me to the delivery suite because whether you like it or not and whether I'm three centimetres or not, I am having this baby, like I am having this baby. Anyway, they sent a midwife up from the delivery suite and she literally took one look at me and she put me in a wheelchair and took me straight down to the delivery suite. And yeah, within 15 minutes, I was in there and he was here.
2: So, so so whoa, because Rewind, had were you three centimetres dilated or were you 10 centimetres dilated and ready to go?
0: Well, the last time she checked me, I was three cent. She kept saying I was three centimetres dilated, but it got to the point where she was saying, do you want me to check? And I was just like, get away from me because, like, I don't need the negativity of you're only four centimetres.
2: Oh, but, God, the words you never want to hear.
0: Honestly, is it not just draining? Like, absolutely draining. I don't know how these people that are in labour for days and days do it because I just... To the worst two hours of my life, but it was kind of in and out, if you know what I mean.
2: Vaginal birth. Yeah, vaginal steps. birth.
0: Yeah, Um a Anything like that or straight out? Episiotomy. I'd pushed twice and she'd said to me, we need to get this baby out. And I think because it had happened so quickly, she sort of said, um, you know, like they've got a few consultants in and they were a bit unsure. And obviously I'd been bleeding quite heavily, so they were unsure whether I was going to need like a blood transfusion or whatever. She said to me, um, yeah. right, we need to get this baby out. she would got a doctor in and... I, I barely got my knickers off at this point like I'd literally just taken my knickers off um, and she said to me um, right we need to get this baby out on the next push and I said I looked at her and I was like what do I need to do and she was like you need to just push and when you're pushing you need to fucking push harder she was like you just need to push harder <laughs> and I was like right, like it's the fucking
2: velodrome yeah. go
0: for it <laughs> but in my mind I'm like no I don't think I can push any harder like I am pushing as hard as I can Um, And in all the books you read before it, you will just breathe the baby out and you will push through this breath. And let me tell you, that did not happen. Anyway, I ended up with an episiotomy and and then, yeah, a third push, he came out and he was all absolutely fine. And I was fine, apart from a few stitches. But yeah, the wildest two hours of my life. (laughs)
2: Isn't it the most intense whirlwind that you'll ever go through? And this is why we absolutely love a birth story on Made by Mamas, because every time anyone comes on, their birth story is completely, completely different. different. Yeah. It's wild.
0: Yeah. And it was so funny as well. We didn't know what we were having, so we'd not we didn't know whether we're having a boy or a girl or whatever. And I thought it naively going into that moment, I was like, oh I can't wait till the moment, you know, like we find out what it is. And I remember like Robert said to me, like, Oh, it's a boy. And I literally remember being like oh my God, what earth just happened to me? Like, what just happened? You know, like that magical, like, it's a boy moment or it's a girl moment, like, just wasn't what I envisaged because I was just so, like... I was just so like, what, what, what actually just happened to me? Like what just happened? It was absolutely mad. But yeah, within five minutes.
2: They say that the quick birth, Georgia had a really quick birth and your body isn't, isn't, hasn't had time. You know, the hormones haven't kicked in, you know, it's all the leave, leave that at the door and bring this in and all that kind yeah. of jazz. It's just like from start to finish, it is 60 you know, you're just there. Yeah. And then your body can't almost adjust to it. It's all happened too fast.
0: Yeah. And like, I think as well, like, in the through my training in pregnancy I'd done loads of pelvic floor and I was still really like everywhere was really tight and I think I'd not because it had not been a long period of time to like like you say to adjust to that like I think my pelvic floor wouldn't let go like I couldn't relax to like to get into move you know like and I think I almost did myself disjustice in doing the pelvic floor exercises because I think I nipped it up too tight
2: (laughs) (laughs) nothing's coming out that sucker yeah Yeah, but well done two hours that is it's incredible so the episiotomy afterwards how did you heal how did your body heal after going through labor
0: i think you know the first five days i don't think i sat down because i was like on one bum cheek trying to like get comfortable or whatever but yeah within five days i think you know like it wasn't too serious the stitches had healed and the midwives had been checking me and having a look and stuff and Thankfully, Arthur was a really, really chilled laid-back baby. So, like, you know, I managed to be able to balance, you know, like working out what the hell we were doing um, with finding Mm -hmm. five minutes to sit on one bum cheek while the other one and then alternating or whatever. But, yeah, um, within two weeks I got back to Pilates. I think my my big goal was, like, get back to Pilates because – that's something I've done Pilates all the way through my pregnancy and it's something I feel really strongly about um, as being an athlete. um, And I really wanted to get back there as soon as I could because to me, we, we, we planned for it, do you know what I mean? I like a plan and we planned for it. So Yeah, you
2: love a plan, yeah, yeah. Okay, so you I'll plan well. to get back to Pilates is, yeah. is, in terms of you just, you knew, because I, I mean, I'm a big fan of Pilates for core strength. Yeah, I think it's amazing. But actually, I also think pelvic floor and yeah. really kind of trying to, I had diastasis recti, I don't know if you did, but like mm-hmm. trying to bring that, those stomach muscles back in together again, it was, it's a godsend.
0: Yeah absolutely you know and to me that was the first step in like starting to train for Paris again and I just felt really passionate about being able to go do that and I absolutely felt well enough to be able to go do that Um don't get me wrong I was tired but I was like maybe this is just the new normal so yeah um, I did that and that went on I think I just Pilates and walking that's the way I started and I just started small and I had some days where I couldn't go for a walk and I couldn't go to Pilates and I had some days where I did did them both do you know what I mean so It was a whirlwind all the way through, but I'm very up and down, but
2: yeah. How'd you you get on with feeding?
0: When I first had Arthur, I didn't have any desire to breastfeed. I didn't have a desire to bottle feed. Like I really, really wasn't bothered. Like a fed baby is a happy baby. And I really, as I said, I really, really wasn't bothered. And Mm. I think Robert was always really, he really wanted, he wanted me to breastfeed if that was possible, but he wanted to combination feed, I think, or express. And he wanted to be able to do it as well, just because you know my plan was to get back to training and I was going to need support and I was going to need help and Arthur just latched really well and breastfeeding just happened really really naturally for us um so I did that for the first week and that was absolutely fine and then he was great and I was fine um but I actually really didn't enjoy breastfeeding and everyone always used to say to me like oh you're so lucky that you can just breastfeed and I remember thinking like I don't feel that lucky like I'm not I'm not loving it and then mm. I was like is that hormonal is that I genuinely don't love it. Like, so we'd given him a bottle and I'd expressed into a bottle. But then within a, like the first few weeks, like my milk had like come in properly and I was like the milk woman, honestly. I could have fed the whole street. Like, my boobs were absolutely ginormous. Were
2: they ginormous? And, like,
0: and I'd never, ever even had. I've never even had to wear a bra. Do you know what I mean? Like, so it was something again that was really weird for me. And again, like, I don't know. I just found it. I felt like Arthur only wanted me for milk, and then I'd see like Robert with him, and like I'd feel them. I'd see them like bonding, and I'd be like, oh, that's really sweet. Like, and I, I felt like I didn't have that. And. Then I felt really guilty because I was like, yeah, but everyone kept saying to me, but you're so lucky that you can breastfeed. Like I'd give my right arm to breastfeed and stuff. And then again, I kept feeling, oh, I don't feel that lucky. Like I'm not, I'm not enjoying it. Like everyone says I should. And then I was Googling, am I normal?" You know, like just all those awful things that like
2: motherhood does oh, to you. Oh, Katie. Yeah. It was really
0: rough. And then I think, I, so I persisted and did it for about four weeks. And then I'd go to Pilates. Or like Arthur got to actually the turning point was Arthur got to a really good sleep stage and like he'd go to bed and then he'd get up twice in the night and then he started getting up just once in the night and I think he was only about four weeks old and he'd only be waking up once but I'd have to wake up to pump because I was so uncomfortable and I remember thinking, like, yeah. what is this life like? My baby's asleep, and I'm in the bed crying, pumping my boobs for a bit of comfort, you know. And I was like, this is not what I want. Like, and I just made that decision there. And then I was like, this is not what I want. Yeah, yeah I just weaned myself away from breastfeeding, and we we gave we gave him a bottle, and we went on to formula. I expressed for a little bit to try and like relieve the. Because again, mm. like no one tells you. But I think I've got to the point where if I don't know if I ever will go there again with another baby, but I don't think I'll breastfeed again. I did. I don't think I
1: no yeah.
2: thank you for, thank you for sharing that thank you for being yeah. so honest around that more more people need to have these conversations because again such pressure yeah. in society for women to have to breastfeed you have to breastfeed you've got your mother-in-law telling you yeah. to do it you've got your best mate saying that you've got to do it and actually you know if you want to give it a go great if it doesn't work out it's okay and actually you know if you didn't enjoy it and you were crying then you have to stop Yeah, I
0: thought my, my my mental health here like comes before breast is best and all this and I thought breast is not best like that's not that's not in that moment and I, I'm i very fortunate that, like I just trusted my gut in that moment and I was like I can't do this anymore so I'm not going to do this anymore you know like I didn't feel too pressured by other people to be like no you have to do this and you know in my plan training was looming and I was gonna have to be spending time away from Arthur and I couldn't even go a few hours in the night without having to pump for comfort so I was like this is not long term this is not going to work for me so yeah i just made that decision there and
2: then well well done well like i think it's 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 a it's a, ma- it's a massive deal it's a massive thing the whole thing is a massive thing you know and it can tear you up and eat you up and spit you out and and even just giving i remember giving luna a bottle for the first time she was probably 3 months and I just cried yeah. my eyes out thinking that I was poisoning her because of everything that I'd consumed, you know. I thought that this was horrible and I was poisoning my child. Yeah,
0: I remember Robert was so excited because all Robert wanted to do was just feed Arthur and, you know, like, and I wanted that for him, but, like, I couldn't let go. Like, for the, I spent a good 10 days where I was, like, like you say, like, didn't want to poison my baby because of what everyone had said, you know, like, I was a bit, like, so it took me, like, 10 mm. days to come to terms with it. And then, yeah, it was the night I was laid in bed crying, pumping, thinking, I'm done here, like... Get this away. <laughs> I'm done
2: now. I know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so you so flash forward slightly, um, maybe probably six months yeah. after that. When did you go back to training? Eight months after Arthur was born? Um, so
0: I was back racing when he was in the January. I went to my first race. Um, so he would have been six, seven months, just coming up to seven months when I went to my first race. But again, like I felt ready and I felt really good, and training had gone really smoothly, and I'd kind of faced up to the fact that I needed to get back racing, regardless of how how fast I was going to go or how not fast I was going to go. You know, I just wanted to, for myself, and I thought, you know, Paris is not that far away and the journey is going to require some real tough times. So, like, you know, face up to it and, yeah, go get stuck in. And, honestly, it was... The best but the worst thing I did because it was the best thing going and riding my bike and being me for a few days I remember I went to Portugal and we were away for three days and that was the first time I'd left Arthur yeah of course even now to this day I 100% know he's safe with Robert but like I don't know whether it's just because you're a mum are you the same like you just can't stop thinking when you're away and when you're not with them I'm like has he been fed has he done this has he changed his nappy and like yeah. He 100% can do it yeah. all, you know, like he's done it for weeks on end while I've been away and he's 100% capable, but I, the mum guilt and, you know, I just can't switch off when I'm not with him.
2: Yeah, of course. I mean, that's, I feel like that's completely natural. It does get a lot easier with the second, by the way. Oh, I'm not even... <laughs> the second one, you're a bit like, oh, oh, oh see you later. What, how yeah. many days? Yeah, oh, what? Two, three days? Yeah, see you. Yeah, no, no, bye. Yes. No, obviously it, it, it is difficult being away from them, but I mean, your first, the first one, I think, especially. Yeah. You know, there is that level of guilt. And also, I imagine, um, were you at all concerned about other people's reaction or was that was it just purely like how you felt? I think
0: it was quite internal, a lot of the pressures that I felt or the expectation mm-hmm. that I felt. A lot of it was internal, you know, like I'd got, the, again, British Cycling had been amazing. They suggested that Arthur could come along, you know, like he could come to the racing and stuff. Yep. But for a while when I was getting back into training, I really found it hard to be mum and athlete, at the same time, like in the same room, you know, like Mm -hmm. I'm quite, and again, like I felt terrible for saying this. I quite enjoyed having that hour to go be myself. So like I'd go into our gym at home, but like, I wouldn't bring Arthur with me. I'd like get my mum to come and sit with him upstairs or whatever it may be. And I felt guilty for doing that because I was like, Oh God, you shouldn't want to spend that hour away from him or whatever. But actually when I'm away from him and when I'm being athlete and when I'm being Katie and that's me, I'm so much better as a mum when I'm home and when you know, and I'm a better mum for being an athlete, and I'm a better athlete for being a mum. So I wouldn't change it for the world, but it doesn't take away that outside pressure of you should do it a certain way or you should be a certain way. Are you the mother that you thought you were going to be? Um, I think I'm far I'm soft, much softer than I thought I'd ever be. (laughs) I'm very like everyone always says, like, Oh, you're so hard based, and I'm from Yorkshire, and you know, we just get on with things, but Arthur's actually made me really bit of great bit of grit, you know, like, grit your teeth, you'll be able to get this baby out Arthur's made me really like <laughs> mush is the wrong word but yeah you know I the best thing since sliced bread and I never thought I'd feel that way because I never had an expectation of what it would be like so I, I could never be let down or disappointed if you know what I mean like I was always very much like I don't know what this is going to be like so let's just ride that wave and yeah I just naturally took it in my stride so well and yeah I think I'm a I'm a far better mother than I ever thought.
2: And Casey Paris is looming. It is. <laughs> How does that feel? Are you ready? Are you going to be bringing home a medal? Is Arthur going? If I'm going Arthur's going.
0: Um, I'm so excited yeah. you know? and I think I had a really tough 12 months with getting back into it and going to the races and not being right where I needed to be but been 12 months like but still only been 12 months postpartum or whatever so you know it was really really tough for me to be able to you know perspe- keep perspective but also now I feel like I've gotten to a place where I'm I'm actually physically the best I have ever been um, and that's mental to say that I had a baby 18 months ago you know mm. I feel incredible and I feel really fortunate that I've got this opportunity and I just really want to make the next nine ten months the best and Arthur is motivation now he's great like he's like oh mummy and bike and you know every time he sees a bike on the road he'll say like mummy you know so like he can associate it and mummy bike yeah Yeah. I have this dream that he will be in Paris on the Barry, and he'll be like that's my mum and you know like I'll be like that's my little boy and yeah I just I want to do it for him and for myself you know and to show women that we can we can be our individual people you know once we've had a child and we can still have careers and Yeah, I feel really passionate about that. And it's been that I really hope I can deliver over the next 12 months and, if we're going to Paris, we're bringing back
2: a gold medal. <laughs> Come on! I feel quite emotional. That's a really, really emotional kind of, I guess, perspective and 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 view of, of life, you know, yeah. like there is, there are so many, I guess, sort of pigeonholes that we feel we have to put ourselves in when we become a mother yeah. and, you know, maybe not kind of striving for the stars. We shouldn't maybe prioritize ourselves. That's what people say to us. That's the language. It's like, well, now my child is everything and absolutely they are everything, but We've still got to follow our dreams, and we've still got to focus on our goals. We're not just here for them, yeah, not all the time.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And as I said before, like for me to be there for him in my best possible, like in the best, to be the best mum that I can be, like I need to do these things for myself, and I need to be able to, you know, be this version of myself as well. And I think that's something that I struggled with when I first got back into training and back into racing. Was there was a bit of narrative around like, well, you're a new person now, and you're a new, you're a different person now, and I was like, actually. I'm just the same old me, I've just got this little person in tow as well, you know, like, and I still can be all my super strengths that I had before I had a baby, like, they've gone nowhere, and yes, admittedly, some things have changed, but I think, you know, just, you are allowed to be that person that you were before before you had the baby, and, you know, that person for me is going to the gym and going racing my bike and stuff, if that's going out clubbing or, you know, going on holiday without them or whatever, you are allowed to do that, and I think that that's really important that we get that message across because there's a lot of things that's like, I had days where I was like, well, guess that's just me now then, you know, like, and I was like, no, that's not me. Like we need to change that. And yeah, you can still be your own person.
2: Love that. What a great, great message to finish the podcast. so before you go, Katie, two things uh, on the, because firstly, the best piece of advice um, that you would give a new parent listening to this?
0: Oh, advice can be a funny one. I've always been very, um, it's controversial, but we absolutely love routine. We, I think Arthur had a bedtime routine from when he was about three years old. I think the first time I could put him in the have bath. Have a plan. Have a plan, you know it. <laughs> <laughs> the first time I could put him in the bath and give him a ball and put him to bed, like that's what we started to do and that really helped us going forward is in like you know he goes he absolutely loves going to bed now he goes to bed at half past six seven o'clock every night and then we get our time like mine and robert's time we have mm. tea together we have we talk about the day we watch a movie we do whatever you know but that really allowed us our space to be able to like you know keep our marriage alive because once you have a baby it gets everything so up in the air so yeah routine work for us but also use your instinct like you know advice can be damaging at times you, you start to compare yourself to other people or you start to well they do that so I should do this and oh that's not working for me like googling again am I normal like it's just you know like you've got to take it with a pinch of salt and advice comes from a great place within other people you know it's always with the best with your best interests at heart, but yeah, just trust your motherly instinct.
2: Love that. Uh, and your die-hard products. So these might be products that you have used uh, with Arthur. They might be products that you love using at home. I
0: mean, for me, dry shampoo, concealer, concealer, mascara anything that can make you feel and look alive <laughs> because realistically which mom who, which mom has got time to wash their hair regularly like definitely not me
2: <laughs> literally 90% batiste or whatever it's called
0: whatever that is <laughs> and also for, for him um we use an out and about nipper like it's like an outdoor pram and obviously we've been out on the farm and doing a lot of walking and stuff like that was an absolute non-negotiable for us like it's been amazing and we call it the magic pram because he always sleeps in it So now if he ever needs to sleep or is tired or whatever, I'm like, do you need to go in the magic pram? And he like looks at me and we go get in the magic pram and off he goes to sleep. So, yeah, definitely that.
2: What's the brand, Katie? What's the brand?
0: Out and About, it's called. Brilliant.
2: So anybody that's living a bit more rural, if you're not in the city, maybe that'd be a good one. They've got
0: off-road tyres, you know, like the don't get punctures very they're just so easy like in the mud and in the off terrain hard terrain and stuff so yeah definitely one of them but i'm also a big fan of the bugaboo um stroller we've we just recently bought one of those um, for like travel and stuff and obviously with us being in and out and traveling quite a lot like that is a perfect perfect
2: Perfect, Perfect. Pram. Lovely. Uh, Thank you so much. Listen, we're going to be following your journey over the next nine, 10 months ahead of Paris and keeping all of our fingers and toes crossed. And congratulations. Keep doing what you're doing. What a superstar.
0: Thank you so much. And thank you for having me. Thank you so much. (laughs) (laughs) Been a pleasure. Thanks, Katie. Bye.
2: I mean, talk about an inspiring conversation. I don't know about you guys, but I feel like... I took so much away from that, her realness, um, you know, around the breastfeeding. I found that really interesting. The fact that she just had to front up and say, Do you know what? I'm actually just not enjoying this. Also, the insight into the training, that completely blew my mind. The fact that she was going for a 30,000 uh, step walk at 41, week pregnant, 41 weeks pregnant. I mean, Jesus, I literally was like rolling around hating life. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know about you guys, but I think that is the difference between uh, an olympic athlete and someone who isn't but yeah i really hope you enjoyed it what a brilliant chat thank you so much to katie what a superstar and we've got to keep all our fingers and toes crossed for paris next year um thank you for listening thank you for being here as always we'd love you to rate review subscribe and please give the podcast a little follow and if you do have anybody um, that you'd like to suggest for the podcast do drop us a message we're on at made by Mamas. and myself and G. we'll be back on friday Made by Mummers is an Insanity podcast production and today's episode was produced by the lovely Charlotte Mason. Insanity Group. Hold up.